Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. We are here at the Institute for Professional Bookkeepers of Canada, and Ron, we have a very, very special guest, perhaps, and, and not saying anything about all of our other guests, but this is probably the, the most specialist guest I think we've ever had on the show, especially for you. Well, you know, Ed, we've been asking everybody who their hero is. Uh-huh. This is my hero. And that is uh, Sam Baker. Ron's dad, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Sam. Well, thank you, guys. It's great listening to you all the time. <laughs> and now you're on. <laughs> yes. <Imagine>. Scary. <laughs> so we want to know all the dirt, Sam. Oh. What was he like as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever seen Greg Kite's <laughs> oh, imitation of him? Okay. Good. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Outstanding. Now, I know a little bit about your your story and that, that you started, your, your profession was you were a barber. I'm a barber since 1955. Outstanding. <laughs> so much fun. And you had to undergo a transformation of sorts in, in that industry. And it's one of the things that I know inspired Ron about change and transformation. And that was a certain little musical group from England. Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool, England, <laughs> called the Beatles. Uh-huh. They, uh, they came on the scene uh, after I was barbering quite a while, and they changed completely changed our profession. Our profession up to that time uh, went through the Depression mm -hmm. with no problems because the, the barbers could barter for eggs or meat or potatoes or bread. Because everybody had to get their hair cut. Yes, everybody right? had to get their hair cut. <laughs> they postponed the big investments, the travel, the new cars, whatever. But uh, everybody uh, in the barbers did real good during the Depression. Unfortunately, when the Liverpool Pool Beatles came over. It was they changed the scene completely with their hair, and nobody wanted to go see the barber and get scalped because <laughs> long hair came in. Uh huh. And so, what did you do? What did you well, do? Well, the the salvation for the thing was a a company that my wife and I worked for called Retkin Laboratories, and they were instrumental in starting hairstyling for men. And in those days, we used lots of hairspray. We used a net and blow dryer and shampoo the hair. And, and we did these real hard sets, they were called, but um, razor cutting, things of that sort. And uh, that kind of evolved. And that evolved into more of a cosmetology realm for barbers. Right. So we started doing unisex haircutting. Mm -hmm. The Farrah Fawcett was a big thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then we started doing permanent waves on men and hair coloring. And uh, of course, beards were always a, a factor in the business, so beard trimming. So hairstyling kind of evolved and took over the kind of the clipper cutting. Sure. And, and it, it was probably as radical a transformation, let's say, of, of in the 1920s of women starting to wear lipstick and color. How, exactly. How, yes, you know, makeup. So right. How huge a transition that was. And all because of this singing group. I mean, yeah, the, you want to talk Beatles. about a black swan event, right? Yes, that exactly. barbers could not have predicted that it was going to be this crazy singing group from That's Liverpool, England that changed their business. That's right. Now, I, I've often had very good conversations with my hairstylist <laughs> because I think that the, the business model between hairstylists and, and, and people who are selling technology is actually pretty similar. Uh, they, the, the, at least the, the stylist that I work for, about half of his business came from the sale of product out the door right, to other exactly. things, which is, what, which is true in the technology space. Right. And the other half of it was from, you know, 
actually doing the service and, and haircuts. And one of the things that he l- l- would say is is that it it's it's recession proof because everybody does need their haircut. But he he's a he is a leading indicator. He can tell when a recession is coming because people start scheduling out instead of every five weeks. It's every six weeks. Did you find that to be true, too? Oh, that yes, you could be, yes. you were ahead of the curve. You know when to get your money the hell out of the stock market. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, why don't you have, ask your, some questions for your dad? Yeah, yeah, this is great. Uh, I, I remember you telling me this Beatles story at a restaurant one night. When I think I was in college, and it just blew my mind because um, one of the things you talked about was you were running for president of the Barbers Union. And you had a platform of, uh, or your opponent had a platform of three things. It was like, we're going to standardize hours of operation in the barbershop, you right. know, nine to five, whatever it was, close Mondays. Uh, we're going to up our prices from $2 to two and a quarter for a clipper cut. Right. And I forget what the third thing was, a sign of union agreement or something. Yes, yes. But you stood up as his opponent after he delivered that talk with those three platform items and you delivered a completely different message to the audience and i just want you to explain (laughs) what did you tell the audience at that point in time well i said ours don't have anything to do with it (laughs) number one uh, i i know i had a lot of early clients but i like to go home early i said uh we have to change our business model we can't just keep doing two and a quarter haircuts. In fact, the haircuts in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, were at that time $3, and we were woefully behind them. And I said, we got to change the business model and start looking at selling products and selling updated services, which was men's hairstyling. And, and coloring and, 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 and doing perm. And yeah, that came along a little, a little later. later. Um, my, I had two barbers working for me, and they left. And I was in a quandary because I had a pretty high overhead. And um, then a fortunate thing happened. I started hiring cosmetologists, beauty operators, hairdressers. And uh, the barbers you paid a 75% commission to, the hairdressers, you paid 50%. A barber on a good day would take in $50, $60. A good cosmetologist would take in $100, $150 because they were doing the chemical services. So that changed our whole mindset. And, of course, retailing, as you know, with your older brother, he was a top retailer because he was also a cosmetologist. And uh, it kind of rubbed off on me, and we... I remember one year in my barber shop, my first barber shop, we sold thirteen thousand dollars with the retail, and the markup on that at the time was about forty percent. So that was a nice supplemental income. And and at the time that you were delivering the speech to the union, and 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 and, and I, you, they elected you, right? You did win, which yes, I got elected. I stayed president of the Santa Rosa Barbers Union for about nine years. years. Total. At that time, also in your in your first barbershop, you were running an experiment. You walled off the back room, yeah, and you did appointments only, and you did hit the hairstyling, right? And wasn't that like five dollars or seven seven fifty? And <laughs> that was an interesting story because people, when I talked to them about getting a seven fifty from a two and a quarter, quarter haircut, they weren't too enthused about <laughs> it. So I would look at my typical client, my typical customer and i'd say i really like your hair you got great hair i'll tell you what you book your next appointment in the evening i'll give you a 750 hairstyle 
for two and a quarter. And I literally, I hear you say one client at a time, right. one customer at a time. That's how I built my business. And over a period of maybe six months, I had enough of those 750 jobs that I moved from the front chair because the barber always liked the front chair of the boss. I moved to the back chair, four chair shop, and put up a wall and I cut hair by appointments only. On a Saturday where I used to do 33 two and a quarter haircuts on average, I was doing maybe 10 or 12 in the back room for 750 and making the same Make amount of money, money, working smarter, not harder, harder, and that was very... Sounds to me, Ron, like the adaptive capacity model. It, it <laughs> is. <laughs> it, it, That's it, what it, we talk about. Okay. And, and that experiment yeah. worked so well that you, you <laughs> moved your shop across town. You gave it what I thought was always been a great name, Hair is to Krat, so Hairistocrat. Uh, and it was, one of the, it was the first unisex salon, wasn't it? Yes, North it of was. the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. We even had a receptionist and a manicurist and... Uh, one of our customers was Sparky Schultz, as you know, the peanut creator. Charles and Schultz. Charles yeah. Schultz. I didn't cut his hair. The guy that worked for me did. But, uh, yeah, it, the aristocrat was kind of a revolutionary thing in our small town. You know, it's a great story out of innovation mm -hmm. and just changing, you know, the business model and, and also, you know, trying to drag along your colleagues. And it's kind of like what we do. Yeah. So when yeah. I when I heard this story, it's it was all like, coming clear oh, to me now. Geez. It's, all <laughs> it's genetic. It is. It's, it's genetic. Yeah. And Ron, <laughs> I was kind of like a black swan because I was hired by Redken Laboratories out of the research and De development department as a... Um, not a platform artist, but a... RDD? RDD, they, they, they called us. Yeah, RDDs. And we would go around to shops, and I would travel Northern California, and, and I would go places. in and do a hairstyle and explain to them the, the technique and, and do the blow dry and sell products along with it. And I would have anywhere from 20 to 40 guys barbers at these things and i i just traveled all over doing that in and, fact that's how i met janine <laughs> and 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 of course retkin was kind of like your ipbc right they yes. they were your education you went yep. there they gave great education yep. and and uh it just wow it just that's transformative <laughs> yeah and it's it the similarity to the ipbc that i see in retkin is once you went there you just you you just we were like the canadians you go to the Redken seminar for three days, and you just buy into the whole thing because it it was just made sense. It made sense. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I get to ask you the exit question, but I'm going to put a parameter on it. Okay. And that is, you can't pick this guy as your hero. All right. So, because I know you, that you probably would have said that. So, who is a hero of yours, and why are they a hero, Sam? Gee, oh, hero of mine. Well, I did have an older brother. And he was 13 years older than me. And when I was growing up, he was on Anahuita Atoll in World War II. And that was the last jumping off place before the invasion of Japan. That never happened because of the two bombs that were dropped. And um, he was a barber ahead of me. When I was in high school, he took me to the Barber College in Sacramento, California, and paid my tuition for the whole thing. He was at that time a policeman in Stockton, and uh, his name was Melton R. Baker. And uh, sidebar, we were in New Orleans. I see an MRB saloon 
Janine and I go in. I says, MRB, that's my brother's initials. Well, this is was the Mississippi River Bottom <laughs> Saloon. <laughs> anyway, my my older brother, he was kind of my hero. Thanks a lot, Sam. This is great. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Soul of Enterprise. And Ed, before we let him go, before we let him go, Dad, I just want to I just want to bring up one more thing. Okay, you've taught me a couple of uh, I would say I would call them barber axioms, and you're not going to remember. I know you know these, but you're not going to remember how they stuck in my head. But you always told me. When you go into a barber shop in a strange town, pick the barber with the worst haircut. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously he'll be the, the, the best barber in the shop probably. And then you've, you've taught me something that has stuck forever, which is, you know, in a barber shop with a bunch of guys sitting around telling fish stories, the first liar has no chance. No chance. chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. What a great way to end our interview. Thanks again, Sam. Thank you, Dad. Thank right. you, Ed. Appreciate it very much. <laughs>